right, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. Have a special guest here today, Dan the Man. What's up, buddy? How's it going? Good, Good to Dan, be here. Dan Picard from Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Tell us about what you do there at Eastman's. Well, I do a little bit of everything, but uh, you know, bow hunting is kind of the focus, and I do a lot of writing, a lot of tuning, a lot of testing, a lot of video. I run Beyond the Grid uh, TV, which is basically our online video series on uh, several different digital platforms, Waypoint TV, YouTube, Amazon Prime. So yeah, trying to grow that and uh, hunting hard and making videos kind of like what you're, you've been up to, Eric. Oh yeah. I, I just, I, I just heard all those things you just rattled off there and kind of all the hats you're wearing and uh, my eyes kind of glaze over because I know how much work that is. So not, <laughs> not only are you a phenomenal bow hunter, but you're also a hard worker. That's what that tells me. Definitely. I had a meeting with Ike the other day and we were kind of talking about, you know, just like roles in the company and, you know, different sectors that I'm involved with. And he's like, you are literally involved and play a major role in every portion of this company. And so like trying to classify me and like, can't really, because I'm just like the Jack of all trades, <laughs> but, but I love it because, you know, it's variety. I get to do so many different things and it never gets old. And before you know it, I mean, here we are eight years later. I don't even know where the time went, honestly. That's crazy. The time flies. It time flies. Yeah. All right, guys, before we get started, you got to check out Basemap. Download it from the iTunes store or the Google Play store. Upgrade to Pro, 3D maps, live location sharing, 800 plus layers, public and private land ownership maps. Anything you can imagine, Basemap has it. So do yourself a favor, download Basemap, upgrade to Pro, and save yourself 20%. Now you can save the 20% by going to basemap.com forward slash muleyfreak, and it will automatically generate your code. All you got to do is go to that URL, basemap.com forward slash muleyfreak. And if you're heavily invested in your existing mapping software. You can transfer all your waypoints, files, tracks, all the data over to Basemap once you get it. So do yourself a favor, get Basemap, upgrade to Pro, and see what you've been missing. So Dan, God, you were the bow hunter that I feel like, you know, eight years ago, you said. Is that when you started Freesman's Hunting Journal? Yep. Bow Hunting Journal, I guess. Sorry, correction there. You're like my favorite bow hunter that I know people obviously know about you and you're one of the best bow hunters in my mind in the West, but man, I, I've just always watched your stuff and loved it. I'm like, man, how come this guy doesn't have 300,000 followers? Cause he's an amazing DIY bow hunter. And I just love your style. I love your personality. I love what you stand for. But I was thinking about, you know, the topics that talk about on this podcast, I'm like, what would Dan do? What is Dan thinking? What, what runs through his mind on a stock when he's, when he's out there hunting and the truck's fired up or he's in camp and it's warm and he knows he's got to go out there and record a TV show and he knows it's going to be hard as hell. What's going through his mind? So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your mindset and how you prepare. You know, you and I have kind of talked offline about about how these guys, they go and they, they do all these workouts and they prepare mental and they, and they get their bodies physically ready. And you know, that that's important because if you're physically strong, I feel like you're more mentally strong, but you know, yep. some of the best bow hunters are some of the most out of shape people I know. And you're obviously not fat or out of shape, but <laughs> I, 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 go, I go back to one my good buddy, Jonah of Jonah's Alaskan Outfitters. Yeah. Jonah Stewart. Yeah. Yep. Jonah Stewart. And his, 
a guy that worked for him, which was Roy Roth, who Cameron Haynes always talks about. Mm-hmm. And people, and, and Jonas told me story after story about how tough Roy was, but he was a killer. And he hunted hard. And he, he had that never quit personality. And uh, Jonas told me this story one time about how they were trying to, trying to uh, clear this landing strip. And Roy went all the way out there with his 75-year-old dad and with a chainsaw. And Jonah's like, there's no way they're going to clear this landing strip. And him and his dad went and cleared this landing strip by hand with chainsaws. <laughs> and, and Jonah's like, he, he just told me he was going to do it. So he took his old man out there and they freaking cleared it. I, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. You know, and, and he, he doesn't hit the gym, but he's, he doesn't quit. He's got what I like to call a killer's mindset. So I wanted to pick your brain and if you would allow us to come into your mind and on, on, on what you go through in preparing yourself mentally. Yeah, for sure. Backing up a little bit about Roy, I think, you know, just overall, that guy was super strong mentally or super stable mentally just in everyday life. And I think that's a foundation to be mentally sound when it comes to hunting or bow hunting. And just like what you're saying, I mean, the guy can go out and power through clearing a, a landing strip for crying out loud. And so that guy's just a tough person all the way around. He's just probably a different breed. And I, th- I think that's kind of a foundation that is a benefit or helps if, if you have, if your, your life is fairly stable, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that'll, I mean, that I'm sure will resonate with everybody a little bit differently, but if you, your mindset's stable and, and you have maybe a, a direction in life and you're organized and that, that's all just going to benefit you when it comes to hunting and having the mindset that you need uh, to be out hunting where, you know, under pressure, how do you react and how do you perform? Um, everybody's a little bit different. And I can discuss this openly with, with uh, me and my brother, we're kind of two opposites, but he, he, he tells me, Oh, I'll never be a good bow hunter. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, why? I mean, it's, you, you can be one if, if you want to be, and you put the time in, that's, that's a thing. And, you know, he's busy, busy with his professional life as an engineer for the, the forest service. And so he doesn't get to bow hunt elk or anything as much as he used to. And right. so you, you lose that sharpness, you know? Right. And, and so we laugh about it, but you know, it's just a matter of doing it repetition. So you're doing it a lot. I mean, that's, that's the first thing you have to get comfortable with being out there. You have to get comfortable with being away from home. Uh, you have to get everything that you possibly can at home taken care of. So you're not worrying about that when you're in the field. I mean, I think anybody can relate to that, especially if you're a dad, right? Oh man, (laughs) man, that really resonated with me just right there, right off the bat, getting your affairs in order at home before you go on and take on a mental challenge in bow hunting, making sure that the dogs are fed, the horses are taken care of, your wife and kids are taken care of. I mean, whatever that may be for you, for me, it's a lot of emails taken care of, making sure work projects are buttoned up and making sure I've done my part to facilitate projects. Because in a lot of my work, if, if, I don't, if, if I don't do my job, then four or five other people are waiting on me to make a decision. So that stresses me out when I leave. Yep. And I, I don't like to have that in the back of my mind stress me out. Like, okay, who's, who's not able to do their job? Who, who am I holding up or who's potentially upset at me because I wasn't able to get this done on the time frame that I told them I would? Yep, exactly. So right there, just what you're saying, that's going to 
leave you a little bit antsy. That's going to leave you a little bit unsettled in the field. And so 100%. you get into a situation, you find an animal and you're like, oh, I can make this stock or I can get this thing killed. And in reality, you're probably rushing it or you're probably making a bad decision. See how that leads you up to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so and it's happened to me. Yeah. Oh, and me too. And me too. It happens to everybody. Yeah. But as long as you can basically, what's the word I'm looking for? As long as you can see that, as long as you can, you, you know, that path that you're headed down, if, if you can catch yourself and be like, oh man, I'm stressed out. I need to calm down or I need to make a phone call or, you know, I need to run up this ridge and, and just get whatever off my chest so I can really focus on what I'm doing. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get your head straight before you go in there and try to be successful because bow hunting, as you know, is the most mentally taxing thing that I've ever done specifically because there's not like a recipe for each situation. There's not right. a, t a textbook that you can follow for each situation. It's all your reaction and it's different every single time. And that's what makes it so difficult. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So what I'm hearing and, and as you're talking, I'm kind of learning, right. And I am kind of paralleling what you're saying to some of my experiences in the field. And what I'm hearing is almost that you have to be in the right mental state to be yep. able to execute. Not yep. to say that you can't get lucky or can't execute otherwise, but what I'm hearing is it's almost like this Zen state, like, man, my affairs are in order at home. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not worried about a, another hunter coming in and blowing out this, but like you almost have to be calm so that you don't rush it. Everything, Everything almost has to go perfect. Yes. I don't know how to, to explain it. Uh, when I've talked to some people in the past, I think number one, I've, I've been doing this for so long. So I just, I just kind of know what's going to happen. And I know how I react to situations and I know what to look for when it's time to strike. And so I don't really think about it. And so I, I want to say that, you know, as I progress in my bow hunting career. I don't try as hard to get it done. Like I don't want it as bad, but that's the mindset that I I'm telling myself. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously I want it. Obviously I need to get right. this done. I'm making a TV show or something. You're a little more relaxed. I think if you're telling yourself that, right? Yes. That's what it is. It's just being relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you know how you get and and everybody, I mean, I still get this way, you know, in the moment of truth, it's, it's about, you know, going to happen. You're about ready to, to make a shot. You kind of get tunnel vision, you get it all amped up. You start shaking a little bit maybe. And you, you your, your thought kind of gets fuzzy. Right. I mean, right. you, you just get scattered. Your brain gets scattered a little bit yeah. and it's just a matter of, trying to control that and yeah. doing it as much as possible to get better at that. Right. And you're just trying to keep that, you know, wide angle view, that 30,000 foot level and just be able to like step back and take in everything. But still when it comes time, you know, looking for your shooting lane and dialing your bow sight and making that perfect shot in, you know, a matter of a second or two. And so it, it's, that's, what's so tough. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. So when, when it comes to like preparing myself, you asked about this before I, I go hunting to film a show. I don't even think about it. I've done the, I've done it over and over. It's all repetition. So I feel like I'm prepared. 
I might even be going into a brand new area, but you know, I've probably done some sort of scouting or have some Intel or, or something. So if I have something to work with or a starting point, I can usually figure it out. And if that's, you know, if I'm hunting mule deer and I get on, you know, a master vantage point and you have a place to start and it's just, it becomes second nature once you've done it time and time again, I guess. Right. It's X's and O's at that point, right? Exactly. Do you have any problems mentally getting yourself up the trailhead with a heavy pack and in cold or miserable weather? Or is it, or, or it's like, oh, I'm hunting. I don't care what the weather is or, or what's it like for you? Yeah, no, I don't like to be cold and miserable. Hundred yeah. percent. And if it's if it's straight up nasty out, like I'm I'm not gonna be out there. Right. But if it's snowing a little bit or raining a little bit, I mean I've killed a lot of great animals in the rain, so I'm out there hundred percent. And as far as like struggling up the trail or you know, throwing on a fifty-five pound pack and headed up into western Wyoming high country to hunt mule deer, I mean it's a struggle, but you know, I, I still physically prepare myself. I'm I'm not just sitting on the couch, but I just want, I always stress too, that, you know, bow hunting comes down to it's 80% just a mental game and the physical fitness needs to be there. If that's what you're asking of your body, if you're doing a backcountry hunt, if you're, you know, doing at least four to five to six miles a day, you have to be physically fit, right? If, if you're, you know, maybe a, a tubby a little bit and, and you're not physically fit, you're not a specimen or whatever. I mean, that doesn't necessarily matter. You might have to find a different style of hunting or, you know, maybe you, you draw a special permit and you can hunt from the truck. I mean, I've, I've been there, I've done everything right. in between. I mean, I've shot a moose, uh, with my bow in British Columbia, like a five minute walk down a path from a vehicle. And right. so was it any less gratifying to you? No, because I've, I've been to both extremes and everything in between. And so I just, I soak it up for what it is for the experience right. that it is. And, and I'm not saying, you know, shooting something from the truck, you know, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but some hunts, it, it doesn't take much of any physical effort to get to where I'm hunting or and other hunts, high country, Western Wyoming or elk hunts three, four five miles back in, you know, it's a physically a, just a butt kicker, right. but that's why, you know, all summer you're hiking and, and getting into cardio shape at elevation with a heavy backpack on. And so I just, I don't think twice about it when it comes down to doing it because it's, and that's the other thing is it, it really helps if you're doing that backcountry stuff, it's gotta be your lifestyle. And right. so in the spring, you're out shed hunting, you're pounding the mountains, you know, putting on miles, got a pack on in the summer, you're going up, you know, I, I love going to hiking up to high mountain lakes with a backpack on and camping and going fishing. I'm not much of a, a person that just goes and hikes up to the top of a peak to hike to a top of a peak. That's not really my, my yeah, jam. You, you want to do something, whether it's taking exactly. photos or fishing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Scouting. And so I enjoy stuff that, yeah, scouting. I enjoy stuff that requires physical fitness. And so by default, I mean, you're physically fit if you're doing that stuff. Yeah. So, and, and I still, I mean, I still, I hit the gym. Right. Um, I, I do, but does how much you bench really matter in the woods when it, comes to hunting. Nah. Right. Um, it's, it's good to be strong. It's good to be able to manage a 75 pound backpack, you know, packing out meat and, and having that core strength. Mm-hmm. But 
how many reps you can do in the gym, that doesn't really mean anything. Right. So getting your mind right. Let's, let's go back to getting your mind right. You're taking care of your affairs at home. You're making sure you have nothing to stress about so that when you get out there, you can focus 100% on the hunt. Now, let's talk about when you're getting on a stock, okay? Say you find that animal and you know that animal, that's the animal you want to take or pursue or stalk or kill. What goes into your mind at that point? So you, you mentioned this and, and you mentioned, I don't, maybe I really don't want that animal or, I, you know, or how did you say that? I don't really care if I get it. I'm not going to be upset if I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, just accepting bow hunting for what it is. I mean, obviously I want to be successful and I expect myself to be successful on every hunt. And to me, that means a clean harvest and good footage. That's just where yeah. I'm at in, in my bow hunting career. Everybody's at a different uh, spot and that's yeah. just where I'm at. So that's success to me is a harvest and a video on film on film. That's yes. kind of where I'm at, man. That's really funny. Yeah. I had a, I had a buck, not, not to sidetrack here, but I just want to piggyback on what you said there. I had a buck. We we're driving down the road, had a buck jump up, stand outside the truck and it was perfectly legal. Could have stepped off the road, shot the buck with my bow. I'm like, dude, that ain't fun. That ain't gonna be cool for film. Yep. And it's like, or, or there was a buck that jumped up and I, and, and I could have shot him, but the camera wasn't on him. I'm like, Part, part of the hunt for me is to be able to put together this piece of artwork and the artwork and sense of this film and, and the adventure. If I can't capture on kill, on film, I almost don't even want to kill anymore. Yep. hundred percent. That's funny. You say that I, I was down in uh, Texas in January and I was testing out this. It's a new thermal optic from uh, Sig Sauer, the echo three, and we were hunting pigs at night with the, the thermal and uh my battery was running low on the optic and this pig comes running across the road and i got him you know i'm i'm getting ready to shoot him but i go to hit record on the scope and my battery was too low and it said it was unable to record and so i didn't shoot that pig and oh man they tore me up back at camp oh, you really? didn't shoot that pig what are you talking about I'm like hey if it's not on video man it didn't happen yeah so it doesn't happen if it's not on video it just doesn't happen so I'm with you too. And I've been doing it for so long that, I mean, I still enjoy sometimes, you know, going hunting without a camera. Uh, but it just, it feels so weird. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> sorry, sorry to sidetrack there, but, um, keep, keep going there on, on your train of thought. So, yeah. So, so if, if I'm, it, it's all by feel, I mean, number one, and when I say, you, you don't try as hard. You, you don't want it that hard. It's not true, but you don't want that mindset where it leads you into rushing it or trying to make something happen when it's, it's not a good situation to happen. Right. Does that make sense? So you're, trying, you're like, trying to force it. You're, you, yes. You got to get your, your mind in a mindset that you don't need this kill on video so bad that you're trying to force it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, I just got to wait for the right time or, you know, I, if, if I, especially with mule deer, I mean, it, if you blow one out, if you blow your target buck out, the odds of ever finding a, him again is probably pretty low depending on where you're at, but most like general areas, it's going to be probably pretty tough. Right. Um, so yeah, just not forcing it. And that just comes with being relaxed and believing in your process. Right. And you, you have to believe in your process. You have to believe in yourself. And it's, that's something that's hard to do unless you've done it time and time again. And, and right. sometimes you just have to be okay with being unsuccessful. It's bow hunting. It's not bow killing. 
And so you're not, it's just, you're not going to be successful every single hunt. You might have a, a pretty good kill percentage, but every time it just doesn't happen because there's too many factors out of your control. So you have to be okay going home empty and it, you know, burns a little bit to even say that, but ultimately you have to be okay with it because you have to accept the game for what it is. You have to accept that lifestyle for what it is. And it's, that means that sometimes there's failure. I hate it, but sometimes that's just the reality. So when I'm up there, I'm, I want to pay attention to three things and that's uh, sight, nose and hearing when it comes to fooling that animal. And I would say like high country mule deer uh, or mule deer in general is probably the most difficult because when it comes to hearing, they're phenomenal. And it's not like an elk because if you make the right cow calls or the right bugle, an elk will come in. But a mule deer, I mean, if you're early season, you're you're probably not going to call one in. And so you don't get to communicate with that animal. So that makes it difficult. And so you have to uh, fool their sight and the smell, of course. So if I have a good wind, I'm like, okay. I mean, this is, this probably can happen if I have a good wind. Now, the hard part of hunting in the mountains is you might have a good wind where you're at, but then you get over there and the wind's completely different. Right. And so I kind of like to approach in a neutral position and I can either move one way or another if I need to get the wind. And it's, I mean, a lot of times you can predict that, I guess, if, if you're working with a Westerly and you're on a West facing slope and you have, I mean, that's a recipe for a consistent wind. And so like when I'm hunting high country mule deer, I focus on West facing slopes or South facing slopes. And I hunt those. I try to stay out of North basins or East facing basins because I know that the wind is so darn swirly and my odds just go right down the tubes. And so number one, you, you kind of over the years set yourself up for success by where right. you hunt and, and the, the type of topography that you hunt. So you like West and South facing slopes then? Yep. West basins, South basins, and, and depending on the weather system that's blowing through every once in a while, you get a, you know, a, a North wind that comes in and that kind of screws things up. But for the most part, when it's end of August, first part of September, you have that summer weather pattern still, and you can kind of predict what the wind's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps. So do you have a, do you have a mental checklist going in on that stock? Do you, yes. do you have a mental checklist from zero to hundred yards or from 500 yards to hundred yards in, and, and then a different sort of checklist from hundred yards to 50 yards in? I mean, no, I mean, I don't think about it really, but you there's a, a few spots that kind of, you know, I, I hit a catalyst on certain situations and I know I've done my part. And I guess a big one on a stock is obviously if I can get the wind, uh, usually the sight thing, if you go slow enough or crawl or whatever, usually you can fool them when it comes to sight and timing, you know, you're not going to want to try to go stock something when it's on the other side of a bowl from you and you don't have any cover. I mean, it's just not possible, but I think, a a lot of guys don't realize how much terrain that you really have to work with, even in open country. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're just stalking and I like, I hear it all the time. Guys are like, Oh, you hunt that open country for elk. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And they're like, well, how do you get close? And it's like, well, I mean, the terrain, the topography is what you're working with. And even when it's flat, there's always something to work with. I feel like. Right. So, so yeah, as long as I can uh, fool their eyesight, which usually you can. And then the hearing, if you have a great wind, 
then yeah, you could probably on most things you can walk right in on them if you have like a 20 mile an hour wind. And right. I like heavy, heavy wind when I'm bow hunting and, and yeah, I know it throws the hurdle of being able to hold your bow steady and get a good shot. Yeah. That's a tough part. Right. And so there's pros and cons and, but that allows you to, to get right in there if you have cover noise. And if I'm making a stock, you know, and, and hopefully, and some of it's just by luck, I've had this happen last year, making a stock and this mule deer buck was uh, down in the Creek and I had Creek noise. Oh, and so I could, I had that cover and, and it's, as you know, you have a camera guy with you, you got to manage two people. Oh, and so man. it's even more That's difficult. The most stressful part. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> You know, some of this mule deer country, especially in Western Wyoming, you get up there and you have like that arrow leaf balsam root and it just sounds like potato chips when you're walking through it. Right. And so, yeah, I'll like, and I'll do that when I'm scouting or I'm planning a stock route, I'll look through my spotter and be like, man, there's a bunch of those arrow leaf balsam root. I got, I got to stay away from that stuff. So I'll plan my stock according to, you know, what type of vegetation is out there. Right. Um, cause that's huge too out there. It seems like I'm always running into that, especially when it's not windy, you got to kind of move around that. And I'm always taking off my shoes too, when it comes, comes down to it. But my number one thing, if I can fool them with the wind sight and hearing, if I feel like if I can get within 75 yards, usually that animal is going to have to make the final play. Yeah. And gosh, I've, I've noticed that too, man. You almost, cause if you start trying to be a little bit aggressive, I feel like things go wrong more often than not. Oh yeah. Yep. You got to hope he either feeds towards you or walks in a position that allows you a shot. You know what I mean? Yep. And not, not every situation is perfect. You know, not every time you're going to get a 190 inch mule deer bedded underneath a rock cliff and you just kind of approach from above. I mean, that's right. Pretty straightforward, but it rarely happens like that every single time. And so I guess, I guess that's what keeps my mind at ease. Now that we talk about it is I can say to myself, I know I can get within 75, 85, 90 yards of this animal. If the wind's good, I know I can get within that distance and the rest is up to him and right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. The, it, either way it goes, because once again, it's hunting, it's an animal, it's unpredictable. And so I'm just at ease with that. And if I can get within 70 yards, usually I can get a shot. If that buck just gives me 15 more yards, 20 more yards, whatever. I, I like to keep it within 60 I don't think that's, that's not that far and it's, it's not too close. And there's something to be said about that of being too close, right there. That's, you know, another set of difficulty if you're, if you're getting in too close, but I think it's just probably being at ease, knowing that I believe in my ability to get in within 75 yards. And then I'm okay with, you know, that bucker bull doing the rest. And usually that bucker bull has to do something, has to make that last mistake right. to get, to get that like really good, clean kill on video, because I would probably hunt it a little bit differently. If I was by myself, I might be a little more aggressive, mm -hmm. 
But if I've got a good piece of cover and I've got a last stretch where uh, the, the ground vegetation is really good for stocking, like I'm going to stop. And if I like look farther forward and it's like kind of marginal or like, ah, I might be able to, to make a stock in there and kind of like what you're saying, kind of force it or kind of push it a little bit with the camera guy. It's, it's probably not going to happen. So they either got to right. stay behind or you just got to wait it out and be patient. Um, but if I'm by myself, I might push it, but it, it probably depends on, is it the last day? then I'm going to push it a little more. Right. Uh, is it the first, first day I might not push it as much. Right. So, so are you stressed going into there or are you just like a hundred percent confident? Are you telling yourself this animal's going to die? I'm going to kill this animal. What are you repeating in your mind? Yep. So number one rule that I don't do is you never picture that animal on the wall or mounted or oh held man down. that's when you know you're not going to get him yeah that that's a huge no-no it's bad juju right there Wh why is that i've thought i've had so many right there i'm like this is in the bank there's there's almost no way this isn't going to happen and i feel like i i don't know I, I maybe that's god's way of teaching you in bow hunting how to be humble because it's yeah. like when you you find this animal you make this epic stock and you're like there's no way this isn't going to happen <laughs> and it doesn't happen and you're just like flabbergasted you like almost in disbelief so so i'm gonna let you answer the question but i'm gonna answer it first by saying that never picture it on the wall or dead or how you're gonna mount it or how you're gonna take pictures because i'm so guilty of that <laughs> we all are <laughs> but one thing i will i do try to think of i'm gonna kill this animal i'm gonna kill this animal i'm gonna kill this animal so i think that's a, that's worked out for me saying, yep. I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to kill this sucker. This thing's dead. But not thinking, how am I going to mount it? How am I going to post pictures? How am I going to blah, blah, blah? I feel like that's when you're cruising for a bruising. 100%. I, I believe in Murphy's Law. I, I think it's real. and I Whatever you want to call it. And I, I am somewhat superstitious with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Just because there are things out there that are out of your control and things that happen for unexplainable reasons. And so there's something with that and I don't know what it is. And yeah, I do believe that, uh, God teaches us lessons and, you know, at, in different scenarios and to build character and, right. and all that, but there's weird, weird things that happen. And so you already brought it up, but I just, it's positive self-talk and right. I know it sounds elementary, uh -huh. but it's very important and no negativity. No right. negative talk or like, oh, I don't think I can make this shot or I don't think I can do this or no, no negativity, no negative talk. It's I can do this. But I mean, you, you don't want to have the mindset of being like you're too cocky or like if it's an impossible stock no. and you're like, I can do this. You got to be realistic. Yeah, you got to be realistic. Yeah. But yeah, never. You're not going to walk into the with the wind blowing at him thinking I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to kill this thing. And because I believe it, I'm going to do it. Freak, right. dude, you're walking right in. The wind's blowing at him. You're not going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's this book I've read. It's called The Secret. I actually, disclaimer, I didn't read it. I listened to it on, on Audible. But it's kind of a hokey book, dude. It's, uh, it's this narrator's this lady, and she talks about if you believe something, it will happen. And she's like, if you believe that checks mysteriously will come in the mail to you and, it, and, and, and a Mr. Riches, it will happen. 
you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah it's, kind of, it's kind of out there. But if she's like, if you put positive vibes into the universe, the universe will reward you. And she's not wrong. Okay, she's a little crazy. And I, I think it needs her thinking just for me, just it needs to be uh, filtered and readjusted. But I remember... I'm like, I'm going to start applying this. I'm going to start applying this, this law. It's, and, and she talks about the universe all the time. And my universe is, is, is God, okay, a higher being. So I think about, okay, if I'm thinking positive and I'm working hard, I believe that good things are going to happen to me. So I'm on this bow hunt, right? Public land, archery hunt in the desert, and I'm hunting this giant frame, typical, 180, 190 bucks. It's hard, to, it's hard to know exactly how big he was, but I'm like stock after stock after stock, and something just was going wrong every single time, and I kept a positive mindset. Like, I'm on day number six trying to kill this one buck, and I'm passing good bucks trying to kill him, because you know when you're like, you're hunting an animal, and all these other ones are around you, but you have this buck in your mind. That's the buck you want. You don't even care about these other bucks, even though they might be really gnarly 170 or, or just cool bucks that are big, but you have this one idea in your head and, and you can't get it out. So I'm failing, failing, failing time and time again, but I'm telling myself I can do this. I believe it's going to happen. I'm going to kill a buck. Well, it gets down to the last day and I passed off all these other bucks and I can't even find my target buck. Right. And I'm like going on. So I finally, I'm just like, well, I'm going to kill a buck. I guess I'm not going to kill that buck anymore, whatever, but I'm still going to kill a buck. Then that wasn't working out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm telling myself, you got to stay positive. You got to keep grinding. And I kept it up. And lo and behold, I found this buck in this draw, rut drunk, and went in there and just smoked him. All odds were against me. Nothing was working out, but I stayed with it and kept telling myself, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Guess what? I feel like I'm going to honestly say, I feel like that was the universe rewarding me or God or, or however you want to look at that for not giving up, for working hard and yep. keeping a positive mindset. Yep. I think that kind of brought up another thought to me. I, I think God, I, I, I believe, I mean, I've, I've got faith. And so I think God wants us to always grow and always right. uh, become better and better. And whether or not that's your personality, it's your faith, your, your spiritual life, many different aspects, but he, he, he wants us to grow as individuals and building character kind of, uh, like what you're illustrating with you're sticking to it. It sucks. It's been hard and maybe you want to give up, but you refuse to, and you're sticking with it. I, when it, when it comes to those hunts and, and it's, I just smile at stuff like that because I've been on hunts like that. And then I've been on hunts like that, that moose that I killed five minutes from the truck. It was the first 30 minutes of the first day of hunting. <laughs> and so I know how hunts can go. They can go like that, or they can go till the last, you know, day nine, your last stock, your last bull elk that you can find, or your last buck that right. you can find and you get it done and everything in between I've right. seen them, seen it all. Right. And throughout all that, I mean, you, you take the easy ones or the easier ones and you just kind of have to smile at those harder ones because it's part of the game and you embrace it. Right. Cause we love it. And it might be frustrating at times, but I guess my point is going back to that positive self-talk is I'll, I'll pray. Right. And I'll say, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, dear Lord, help me be successful and kill this deer. Nah. 
No, nah, that's yeah. selfish. Yeah, that but ain't gonna work. I'll ask. I've tried for... that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out for you. If but I no, could kill I'll this just... one deer, I'll stay home the rest of the fall with my family. <laughs> right. You start wagering with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But just just praying and say, hey, just help me to perform at the best of my ability. And and that's all you can ask for out of yourself ultimately. Right. And and that helps too. And I think like what you're saying, those long hunts that you really stick out and that you're, you just, you have no answers and all of a sudden it happens. I think, yeah, it's, you know, God rewarding you or I mean, whatever you want to say it, rewarding you for your efforts. And, you know, you, you built character and you stuck with, with it and it's the perseverance. And that's ultimately what defines successful bow hunting is perseverance. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree perseverance don't quit um mm-hmm. i think you should go into any hunt expecting and knowing full well that you need to work your nards off give it everything you got um because if, if you don't initially when i first started bow hunting i was like i know i could have worked harder i know i could have done better and i don't ever and it only took me a short time to realize listen i'm taking time away from work i'm taking time away from my family and i'm going to come out here and half-ass it How's that fair to anyone, including myself and my family? Or, or in your case, you're filming for work, right? What if yep. you go out there and half-ass it because you're like, you know what? I just I didn't sleep good last night. The wind was freaking rocking my tent. I kind of had a stomach bug. It just wasn't feeling great. So I went out there. I should have killed this bull, but I didn't. And, and Ike's like, man, dude, we need the content. <laughs> right you know you, you didn't go out there and perform no you you don't have that luxury you got to go out there and you got to perform and you got to execute you have a job to do and your job involves executing on stocks with your bow and then not only that let's go ahead and throw in filming and telling a story with it and from start to finish yep and not to mention all the other stuff photos youtube and all the other stuff that you do and, and the content that that's um different from tv so a lot of people say man i wish i gotta do it you you gotta do no you don't because you get to enjoy it you get to enjoy it and not um uh have the stress on top of something that you love exactly exactly it, it has ruined it for people i know that you know it becomes their job and like they say with anything once it becomes your job it ruins it and i could see how i mean how that's possible and for me I, i'm i'm lucky because i love pressure the more pressure, the better, as far as I'm concerned, I I like, you know, that sense of urgency, that sense of pressure and guy and Ike know, I mean, the last thing I want to do is disappoint them or not pull, you know, pull through for them. And, and so that kind of burns in me too, of, you know, I don't want to let those guys down and, you know, darn near die trying to get an episode or get a harvest, what I need to get, you know, to do my job. Right. And, going back about, you know, your regrets, like, Oh, I didn't try hard enough, you know, or I I wasn't feeling good. So I went home. I kind of learned that lesson when I was a teenager. And when I I first started hunting elk and I remember I came close a couple of times was probably 15, 16 and all winter long, I thought about my effort and I was like, I could have tried harder or or I could have hunted harder. And so I never want that feeling again. And even when I'm out there hunting and I'm like, oh, this is hard, or I just want to go home or whatever, the perspective of 
in the grand scheme of things, when you're on a hunt, it's like what, five days in the grand scheme of things. That's a very, very short amount of time. The the time is going to pass. Yes. It doesn't mean anything, but when you're sitting there all winter for months and months, all spring, all summer, thinking about your effort, I don't want to be in that place again. And so I know that I can, for five days, I can do anything. I can sleep in the dirt for five days. I can be cold for five days. Obviously I don't want to be miserable and we're lucky with the quality gear that we have nowadays. We don't have to be miserable anymore, but, but that's huge for me is I've been there when I was a kid and it was a learning experience and I've never looked back. So I, I, I treat every single hunt like it's my last hunt. I I leave it all out there. I want to hunt my hardest because I could be dead in two weeks. I could have a broken leg or be crippled or be blind. And then am I going to sit or have cancer and not be able to do it? And am I going to sit there the rest of my life regretting that I didn't put more effort in hunting when I could do it because I can't do it anymore. And that's, I refuse to live like that. You you know, that's funny that you just said that because I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, man, I was thinking about the successes I've had. And I was thinking about the failures I've had. Then I was like, I can't believe that I'm well enough to even do this. And then I was looking at my life and, you know, I have stress factors in my life and, and family and work and things that I'm trying to navigate. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, things are, I'm feeling kind of a heavy burden on my shoulders. I was like, Whoa, dude, you're still healthy enough to do all this and perform at a high level. Like, what do you really have to worry about? And uh, we're so blessed and, and, and uh, I'm not going to go down this cliche path of we're so blessed to be doing what we're doing. We're so blessed to be able to have the health that we have, whether we do this for a living or not, but to be able to do it. Yep. So why not do it to your best ability? Why not go out there and work your hardest? Why not try to master your craft? Why not try to educate yourself and just become better? You know? Yep. You go all the way. If you're going to do something that takes this much effort, especially bow hunting, you got to go all the way. You got to dig into all the resources. You got to spend the time. You got to make hunting your hobby, even when it's your work in my situation. But I I do love it and I do enjoy it. And everybody's situation is different. And then going back to like having that support system around you, if you do choose to be married and you do choose to have kids, you got to have that support system too, because you better pick the right wife. Yeah. And I've, I've been there, Eric, I've been married once before and got a divorce. And when you don't have that support at home, it's, it's not happening. Yeah. And, and even with a good woman, uh, there comes a point where she's like mm, scratching her head, like, you know, how much is too much? Well, no, it's, and it's still tough. It's always going to be tough. A hundred percent. I don't, yeah. And I don't care who you marry <laughs> right. if she's a sour or she's a, a good woman, it's still, it takes work and it's a struggle. Right. And, and, but ultimately, I mean, you need somebody that's somewhat understanding yeah. to, to make it all happen, especially if you go to the level that say me and you are going with, you know, our careers are just hunting as much as we hunt. And like I said, when, when I go on vacation, I go hunting. Right. And I might take my wife. I probably don't film, but take my wife hunting right. and make sure she gets to do what she wants to do either. And for the record, I never said that my wife had to hunt. It was her choice. <laughs> <laughs> so worked she, out then, huh? yeah, it worked out. She really got into it and, uh, she's amazing. She's a rifle hunter and she's killed, uh, a sheep with her bow, uh, on the big Island of Hawaii, not oh, nice. like a real, a real sheep, but, uh, seven shots, seven kills on big game animals. She's the real deal. Good for her. So all just is it part of the 
picture of being a bow hunter is, is having that support system. And, and it's such a large picture in life and it's, it's a mentality, it's a mindset and it's ultimately it's a lifestyle. If you really want to be successful at it and really be consistent and not everybody can do that. Every, you know, other guys, well, 98% of guys out there have real jobs or have an eight to five and they have to hunt on the weekends or maybe a three day weekend and you don't get the time. And so that's right. where, you know, watching videos and reading material and listening to podcasts uh, and just gaining all the information that you can help so much. Right. So while you're, while you're kind of just talking about that, I had a couple thoughts run through my mind. Um, one of my inspirations, childhood inspirations, still one of my inspirations is, is Michael Jordan. And a quote came to my mind that he said is, I fell over and over again. And that's why I succeed. So I'm guessing you failed way more in bow hunting than you've ever succeeded. And so my question for you is, how do you deal with failure? Now I just shrug it off. It's bow hunting. And some situations, you know, I lose sleep over for a couple of days or a couple yeah. of weeks, maybe. But ultimately, you have to embrace the mentality that this is the bow hunting lifestyle. And, and there is failure. There is unsuccessful tags. And that's part of it. You have to embrace right. that and acknowledge that. And I, I hate it. And I do everything in my power not to be unsuccessful. But like I was saying before, there's so many things that are out of my control. I know that I'm going to do everything in my power to be successful. But if there's just no deer or no elk or no right. rut in, in thick country, uh, if the weather, I mean, I've had that too, 10 inches of snow and the elk all migrate down onto private. What right. do you do? Yeah. I mean, you do? you're, you're unsuccessful, big deal. Right. Um, so there's things that are out of, you're out of your control, but you can bet and guy and I can bet that if anything's in my control, I'm going to be successful at it. Right. So what about failure in terms of you screwed up? No. So I, th I think there's variables that you can control and variables you can't control. Can't control being that, you know, 10 inches of snow came in, uh, the elk funneled onto private, but what about Dan screwed up? How do you deal with that failure? Throw things, uh, cuss. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I hate it. I dread it. I fear it. And so I just try to prepare as much as possible. So my mistake, uh, doesn't happen if possible. Uh, how do I deal with failure? Uh, I shrug it off. I'm a man yeah. that's hunting. I'm not perfect. Um, I'm, I'm doing the best of my ability, but I, I believe in my ability. I believe in myself. And so that I know I, I gave it my best. And, right. and sometimes we fail. We're humans. We're not perfect. Right. And so, yeah, I'm trying to think of some situations. So I try to, I tell myself, man, there was something you needed to learn. I screwed up because, or rarely do I screw up the same thing twice. Usually I'll screw it up and it's, it's, it's blueprinted in, in my brain like, okay, don't do this because last time this is what happened. You know, and, and occasionally I'll have something, you know, I'm on a successful lot on bow hunting, but it's like I, I'm, I'm starting to get into that realm of it just didn't work out because the animal did this or another hunter came in or a mountain lion came in and ran him out or wolves howled or, or whatever. It's not as so much as, Oh, you stuck your head up and they spotted you or they winded you. But occasionally I do make, make mistakes that are, are in my control. And it's like, 
man, I needed to learn that or man, I needed to be humbled or I feel like if you're not learning, you're not progressing and, and being someone that was competitive in sports, it's like, Hey, there's, there's no staying the same. Either you're getting better or you're getting worse. So I feel like if you're not learning, you're not getting better. Yep. And yeah, fa- failure comes with that. I mean, you have to, that's how you learn, right? Is failure. You don't learn as much if you're successful. I mean, you, you can take things away from successful situations. You should take things away and learn from them. Uh, but yeah, you have to fail, right. To learn and to build your skill set. Uh, you, you have to fail. And I did a lot of that in my younger days. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, I learned a lot as a kid in my teenage years. Uh, that's all I did. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't do high school sports. I hunted. Right. And I did a lot of learning back in those days for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like that's why you're extremely successful. I mean, you've dedicated, you've dedicated your life to this sport and to this craft and you've yep. learned a lot. And not only have you learned a lot, you've become a more successful hunter. You're probably stronger mentally. It's probably taught you life lessons. Yes. It got you into a field that you probably dreamed about doing as a kid. Yep. 100%. Working and hunting for Eastman's. Yep. And the building blocks to that. Yeah. I I hunted as a kid, but after I graduated college, I I started guiding elk hunters. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I guided full time for a few years and in Wyoming or Montana in in Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so that, that was what really propelled me into learning at a higher rate and a faster rate because I mean, you're on 12 elk kills a fall and that's a lifetime of experience for a lot of guys. Definitely. Definitely. And so when I'm doing that every fall for three years, holy smokes, you really get a feel for, you know, how to get it done and and how to move. And and so it's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what did it for me, Eric, honestly. Yeah. Some of the best hunters out there don't even hunt for themselves. They're guides. Yep. And those guys can spot, they can stalk and they can kill. Exactly. They might not be pulling the trigger or releasing the arrow, but they know they're killers. Yep. Uh, And I know some guys around here that, and they get out on a few hunts every year for themselves, but they make a living guiding. So that's, that's why they, they've gotten so good at it. But while you were kind of talking about that and and the building blocks for you, I I think I thought a little bit about my childhood Uh, growing up in the Ogden Valley, hunting horseback up in the Huntsville area and thinking about, you know, we had a dairy, right? So we'd go up in the morning, hunt on horseback, we're unsuccessful, and we had to be back at four o'clock to milk cows. And I remember just being, you know, my, I was fortunate enough, you know, my, my mom died at an early age, my grandpa kind of took me under his wing. He just, I was kind of a uh, kid that had a lot of energy, so they're trying to figure out what to do with me. And that was one thing my grandpa did. He stuck me on a horse and we, we rode around and hunted in the mountains. And I remember being so disgusted that my grandpa was fine going home without an animal. I'm like, why the, why the heck are we going? Uh, (laughs) And he'd be like, Oh, I just like to get out and ride my saddle horse. My grandpa's an old timer. He's still alive. Actually. He's almost 90. And, uh, gosh, it just feels good to get out. I mean, I know we're not getting anything that it just feels good to get out. And I'm like, no, that don't feel good. (laughs) I said, it doesn't feel good when I go to school and everyone's like, well, what'd you guys get? I'm like, nothing. We didn't see nothing. And, and I'm seeing my buddies shoot stuff. I'm like, I know I can, I know I'm good enough to get stuff. So that is funny that 
that was the building blocks for me to be successful. I had so many years of unsuccess that I was just like, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to go out and not get anything. Yep. So you're competitive. That's what you've illustrated is you're competitive. I'm competitive. You have to have a level of competitiveness for sure because you don't want to fail, right? No. So you're, you're learning from it and the desire to not fail. And, and in this situation, I mean, in a healthy way, you're competitive with yourself is what it is. Right. Um, and I, I try not to get on Instagram and compare myself to others. Cause right. I'll, I'll never beat everyone on social media. I'll never kill bigger stuff than everyone, you know, uh, everyone out there. Cause there's always someone that maybe has, you know, more resources than you or, uh, yep. more time or whatever that might be. So I think it's just good to to be competitive against yourself like that. So you're not becoming jealous, right? Because I think right. jealousy, in my opinion, there's too much of it and it is, it's the root of all evil. But being able to learn from others and see their success, sometimes seeing their success can help propel you to know that you can do it too. So I think there's this healthy yep. balance of seeing other people's success without being jealous and, and, and being competitive against yourself. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it for the right reasons. And I think especially in longevity and doing what I'm doing and guy and Ike are so awesome with it, but as long as I'm okay, as long as, you know, I'm doing this bow hunting thing for the right reasons. And it's, it's something that I want to do. You're, you're going to be successful on it. You're going to have that longevity, but they, I mean, cause if somebody's asking you to do something and maybe you don't want to do it, or if it's just not your style or not your personality, longevity wise, you're going to get burned out. Right. And so that's the cool thing. And part of it too, is just my desires and my hunts and how I want to hunt align with the company. And so that's why it works so well. Right. And I mean, they never asked me to do something that, or like, try to be somebody else or try to act this way. It's never a thing. It's just be yourself, do the, the best that you can. And you know, they believe in me. And right. so success follows. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're humble, you're kind, you're hardworking. Yeah. Uh, all those you're, things. You're, you're fun yeah. to watch. You're successful. I mean, what's, what's not to love about what Dan Picard is doing? <laughs> well, I appreciate it, but no, no, absolutely. You know, I, I hope to be to your your level bow hunting one day and, and, and to get better. I think you're an inspiration that, that a lot of young bow hunters and, and even uh, mature bow hunters should, should look up to guys that are hardworking and like to go out and get it done and, and, and learn. And that's why I kind of wanted to pick your brain on, you know, how you prepare yourself mentally and what you're thinking about out there. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. I love sharing and I love, I love the life and I love talking to guys that can relate. I mean, it doesn't get any better. I love the bow hunting community and, and uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And in the end, you got to look at it does make us better humans all around as far as building character and managing our lives it just makes you a better person. And what's really cool about it, too, ultimately, is someday, man, when we can't do this anymore, we can't walk or we're like your grandfather. We're 90 years old. Look at all the memories we created, because in the end, that's all we have is memories. Yep. And we're running out of time, so it's, that's why it's important to get out there and make memories. Absolutely. All right, guys, I just got to interrupt real quick. Goat Knives, the all-new Nitro Tour, made of one contiguous blade of Nitro V steel. It's ultra-light. It's ultra-sharp, 1.15 ounces. Do yourself a favor. Get it. Use code MULIFREAK. Save yourself some money, and then 
we also get a little kickback. So we, we appreciate your support there. So it's, it's very similar to the Carbon Pro, but the Carbon Pro has a titanium handle versus the, the Tur, the Nitro Tur has a Nitro V steel handle. So the, you, you save a little bit of money there. Travis passes that cost down to you. You'll save 40, 50 bucks over the Nitro V Tur over the Carbon Pro. Both great knives. One's a little bit lighter, so you can't go wrong with that new Nitro Tur. So I got another quick question for you. When do you know when you're just wasting your time and that it's not going to happen and that you need to chalk this uh, adventure up as a failure? Like sometimes you just know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, okay, it's time to move on to another hunt. When is the right time to move on to a different hunt? Right. Is it, is it just like this inner feeling, like this impression that you're like, hey, I'm, I, I just know that it's time to, it's time to move on. Yeah. You kind of get a feel after probably like five days or seven or eight days that you're like, yeah, it's just not happening or I'm not getting stocks in or things aren't driving. I was, it kind of brings up a thought a few years ago, I was elk hunting in Idaho and we were hunting three or four days and there's elk around, but we just, I wasn't moving right in those mountains. The elk weren't moving right as far as driving with me and the wind was goofy. And so I was just like, okay, we got to move. We just got to pick up and go somewhere else. And so we uh-huh. picked everything up and we went to a completely new area that I, I did go into uh, previously in the summer and went in there first morning, killed a bull. And sometimes that's all it takes is just moving, picking up, uh, starting fresh, starting in a fresh area, whether, whether you want to call it mojo or, yeah. or whatever in there. It just wasn't happening. And especially like some of these mule deer areas that I hunt that I'll probably never hunt again, just because of what the wind does. Like I'll spend four or five days in there and the wind is just wonky. And it's just like, these aren't the building blocks for success. Right. And you know, you're just like, this is, this is, this is fruitless. Yeah. Maybe I've blown a couple of the deer out and it takes days for them to come back. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, so as long as I'm having some action, I'll stay. But if I go like two days and I can't turn up anything, I can't turn up a stock, then I might, you know, I might be out of there. I might move to a different area. If I've been at it for seven, eight, nine days, I might call it quits and go home. Maybe a st- like I was saying, a snowstorm, 10 right. inches of snow falls, all the elk migrate out. I'm out of there. Yeah. Maybe a, a lot of little things that kind of add up. But if, if I'm not getting on something and making a stock or, or slipping in on a bugle and bull every two days or three days, I'm, I'm out of there or I'm moving or going home. Gotcha. So, to, so to summarize this kind of this podcast, it looks like we're, we're just over an hour here. Um, is it safe to say that it's 80% mental and 20% physical? Yeah. I, I don't know what that number is. And that's what I, I've tried to like numerically uh, add it all up. And that's, yeah, I, I would say it, it is safe to say that, especially depending on, it depends on what type of hunt you ask your body to do physically. But yeah, it's, it's 80, 20, yeah. as far as okay. I'm concerned. And then before you head out, just getting everything in order so that you don't have any of that outside stress or negative influence kind of seeping into your mind and into your hunt. Huge. That's huge. huge. Whether so it's, yep. Getting your mind right while you're out there. 
Yeah. Bills at home, your work, make sure you're all good before you go to the field, your family life. Yeah. You, you gotta have all that square so you can kind of go out into the fields with a fresh, uh, mind, open slate and, and ready to give it your all mentally. And then being positive. Exactly. Because if things aren't going right at home, I mean, and you're, there's some negative stuff going on, you know, at, in your normal life, it's going to be so hard to just flip the switch and just be a hundred percent positive in the field. Yeah. It's, it's super difficult. So yeah. Stay positive. Yeah. And, and, and if there's one thing I can add um, to this podcast, I would say this, I would say that, you know, there's a quote that came, I hate to be super religious with people, but um, there's just a quote that came to my mind and it's, if you're prepared, you, you shall not fail. And I'm, I'm thinking about a recent bow hunt that I had for coos deer and I failed. And I got in close on these little mini deer. I freaking got amazing stocks on them during the rut, which was super hard. Came to full draw on camera without them seeing me and then didn't make the shots. And that's, that's, that's a loaded story on why I didn't make the shots. But I'm like, I wasn't prepared. Like I've had this bow for three, four weeks. I wasn't familiar with it. I switched to a new release. I didn't have enough time time behind it. And like, how did you honestly expect that you were going to go out there and be successful, Eric? You didn't put in the work. Sure. Yep. Like if, if you're prepared, you're, you're increased, not only your, your mental ability to believe that you can get the job done and in actual fact, you're going to be better out in the field. It's, it's not just like making you stronger mentally being prepared, but you're, it's a fact you're going to be better. But if you don't put in the work, you're not going to be successful and that and that and that um bleeds over to everything in life but especially bow hunting there's so many things like for example i i hear guys all the time different broadheads in their quiver i'm like are you serious <laughs> or, 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 <laughs> yeah. or, or different arrows or, or they had or they didn't have time to shoot their broadheads or tune their broadheads i'm like dude those don't shoot this they're probably not going to shoot the same i mean Yep. And some of that comes with experience too. And and then time, I, I get it, man. I mean, sometimes you just don't have time, but don't expect to be successful if you're not going to put in the work. And right. I've been guilty of it even recently. You know, I, I have less and less time with the more kids I have. And I, I just had my fourth and uh, I have no business being out there unless I'm going to put in the time. Right. hundred percent. And you probably feel the same way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially like you said, shooting broadheads or making sure, you know, your bow is good. You have to be mentally like, okay with everything with your equipment. Right. If, right. if you're not confident, if you don't believe in what you are working with, oh boy, yeah. you're not, you're not setting yourself up for success. Yeah, absolutely. And w one last little story before we go here, <laughs> bow shooting really good last year. Right. And five days before the opener, guess what I do? I leave in the middle of the Utah summer, leave my bow in my truck for like an hour. Uh-oh. Yep. Serving melted. Couldn't figure out why I couldn't shoot. I'm like, try to get it. No bow shops want anything to do with you if you're coming in right before season. Because that's what right. everyone's doing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So it's just like, you got to just get your life in order. You got to get just get your shit together for, for, <laughs> yeah. for, for lack of a better word. Um, but anyway, man, um, I appreciate you letting us into, you know, your mind, how you prepare and, and how you approach the hunt mentally, especially bow hunting. You're, you're an uber successful, uh, bow hunter. I enjoy watching you and, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of educate us on, on how you prepare. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure, man. I enjoy it just as much as you do. And, and, uh, thanks for watching. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, well, be sure. Thanks for listening to this episode with Dan Picard, Eastman's bow hunting journals, Eastman's bow hunting TV and, uh, off grid on YouTube. He does a lot of things there at Eastman's be sure to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Send me an email. Let me know what you think. Eric at mealyfreak.com. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Heck yeah. Thanks brother. Appreciate it.